Well, first of all, I want to say that I want to thank the organizers for inviting me to talk here. It's a great pleasure and honor to talk on this occasion. I've known, I've known Avi for a very long time, and I'm trying to remember when we met first. But I think it might have been Santa Barbara in 79, maybe. But uh, uh, he's greatly influenced. His book has been a great influence on my work, but also on matrix theory in general, particularly non-negative matrix theory. And we've collaborated as well on some work. And, uh, but most of all, he's a really nice person, a really good friend. Um, I was very, blessed to Mickey Neumann, I was very sorry to hear about the death of Mickey Neumann. I had an email from Mickey Neumann just about two weeks before he died, where he was talking, looking forward to coming and so on. And uh, Mickey Neumann is also somebody whose, whose work is very close to the stuff I've been doing. And it was really a shock. He was also looked so fit compared to some of us. It was really a shock that he, he died. Um, okay, well, I'm going to talk about uh, problems related to non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem. My original plan was to talk about a more specialized talk, which along the title, along the lines of the title, uh, I'm going to include that part, but not as much. And I thought uh, there was a suggestion that there'd be a number of graduate students and uh, PhD students and so on, maybe at the, at the meeting. So I, I thought I'd give a survey of the, the subject as well. I, I'll give a survey about the uh, NIEP, and I think Helena Schmigotz in her talk later on, she'll talk about symmetric versions. So if you see one of these two slides referred to SNIEP, that'll be the talk she's, she's going to talk about later. Anyway, the non-negative inverse eigenvalue problem is the problem of given some list of complex numbers and you want to de determine whether or not there is a non-negative matrix with those eigenvalues. And that's usually called the NIEP. It's been around a long time. Uh, the, uh, there's a lot of literature on the problem. And in the, this particular talk, the emphasis will be on constructive methods, on making matrices uh, with that particular spectrum. You can have an existence theory and a constructive. This talk, I'm going to talk mostly about constructive methods. So there's a general reference there to, well, there's the Berman Plemons book uh, and also the book of Mintz on non-negative matrices has uh, detailed information about the results on the NIEP up to the late 70s or so. Um, okay, well, just to just recall, what, when I talk about a companion matrix, a companion matrix may, it will be that particular version of a companion. Yeah, it was, well, let's see. What was, I think that's as good as it can be. Is that any better? Right, okay. Um, the, uh, so uh, that's what a companion matrix is, as you all know. I just want to make the point that if you have a spectrum and you want to realize it, the word realize will mean there's a non-negative matrix w with that spectrum, and the, the matrix would be called a realizing matrix. So a realizing matrix would be a non-negative matrix whose spectrum is some given list. Uh, and if this were a realizing matrix, then you'd have to have the terms on the bottom here, 
those guys would have to be all less than or equal to zero. So, so that's a fairly restrictive condition. Uh, as just to, to point out that there aren't that many uh, known methods for constructing uh, realizing matrices and uh, which are easy to, to carry out, and the companion matrix is very easy to carry out because you just look at the coefficients and either of them characteristic polynomial and either they're, they all satisfy this condition or they don't. So, and most of the time they don't. So a companion matrix works some of the time, but, um, but, but not, not that often. Uh, the first result, 1949, was considered to be the, the first result on the, in IEP. Solomanova pro proved that if all the lambdas, if all the eigenvalues in your list are real, and only one of them is positive, then it's realizable, it should say there, it's, it's realizable if and only if the, the trace is positive. That bit seems to have got left out in the typing. So it's realizable. So you have a list, you have a list of, we'll call it sigma lambda 1 down to lambda n, and we're looking for this. So we can associate with this sk for, this is going to be defined in general as this sum. And that has to be non-negative. That's a necessary condition for the spectrum to be the spectrum, for the lambdas to be the spectrum <coughs> of a non-negative matrix. And what Manova proved was that if all these guys are real, and say lambda 1 is positive, and all the rest are less than or equal to 0, then the condition that it be realizable is simply that S1 be non-negative. And uh, Schmuel found a very nice solution to this in a lovely paper in 1977. Schmuel uh, made a big contribution to the whole theory of non-negative matrices in that paper in 1977 in the Israel Journal. And in, among lots of other things, he proved, he gave a constructive proof of Solomonova's, Solomonova's work. Um, an exact general, total direct generalization of Solomonova's work is the following. Uh, which was proved by Helene and I. So here we have a list in which all the real parts of the lambdas are less than or equal to zero. Uh, and you ask, when is this realizable? And uh, you have to have, obviously, it has to be closed in a complex conjugation because the characteristic polynomial has to be real. Um, you have to have S1 and S2. And then the the condition is just this thing is realizable if and only if this condition, this is an example. Of, so you're allowed to add in zeros for some n, and this is realizable if and only if it satisfies this condition here. This is an example of conditions I might talk about a little bit later called the JLL conditions. Uh, the two L stand for Levy and London, and the, the J stands for Johnson. And they have inequalities relating the power sums of uh, realizable matrix, those SKs. And for a matrix of size n plus n, little n plus big N, like that. That's a necessary condition. Um, and that's the, um, if it was written correctly, to be a necessary. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a necessary condition. It is written correctly. It's a necessary condition. And the, our theorem is that that's sufficient as well. Uh, 
And not only that, but the, again, the realizing matrix is a multiple of the identity plus a companion matrix. So again, you see we can construct uh, it quite, quite in, in a simple way. Um, the next thing I want to mention here are what are called the BH conditions, the ball handleman conditions. And um, uh, so the, the ball handleman conditions. Uh, so you get some list of complex numbers, and have ball handleman conditions means that there's a, a Perron element in the list. That's an element which is positive, and it's, in, it's bigger than the absolute value of any other element. And the Newton power sums, those, those things here, are non-negative. And the, also, if, if one of them is zero, then because um, if you took powers of a, of a matrix with positive trace, it, it, it will stay with positive trace. You, you, you cannot have, you have to have this, this technical condition here. If one of them is zero, then all the precede, all the ones divide SD, D dividing M have to be zero as well. And the Boyle Handelman famous theorem in 1991 says that if you have the Boyle Handelman conditions, then sigma with sufficiently many zeros added is realizable. So that, um, so these BH conditions I'll, I'll refer to. So in this case, actually, the theorem says that you can get a primitive matrix uh, in the same sense as in Rafi's talk about you can have a primitive matrix which um, has the, the, by adding enough zeros, there's a, a primitive matrix with that spectrum. And um, the, uh, in fact, there's it's recently... It seems to be the case, not only can you make it primitive, but you can also make it a multiple of, if rho is the parent root, you can make it rho times a doubly stochastic as well. Uh, that's uh, the proof of that, I think. I'm not sure if that's been published yet. It's by a student of Mike Boyle. Um, the, um, anyway, some notation. So we're going to make block companion type matrices, matrices whose, uh, so just, so you're going to have a, a matrix with just one one in a corner and zeros everywhere else, and uh, that's what N is going to be. So N is one of the, just the unit, base standard unit matrix with one in this bottom corner here, and R is going to stand for a matrix just has all its rows zero except for one row, and uh, so then we can form, for example, this kind of a matrix are more, much, the, the, you can form, you can put companion matrices down the middle, like CG1 there, CG2, and so on. You can co put companion matrices down the middle, and this gets just three of them. And then you put these matrices, which have exactly one, one. So they have the effect of making the graph connected. The digraph becomes, the, that's the role that these D in play here. They're just little matrices with one, one, and just directly above the diagonal, there's one, one, and uh, in the corner. And this, so when you work out the characteristic polynomial of that thing, the characteristic polynomial turns out to be the product of the three uh, polynomials here in the diagonal, and then you have 
um, G1x, R2x, the second one here, plus R1x, where the Rs are written in a particular way. So there's a formula for that characteristic polynomial. And uh, uh, this class of, this is another class of methods that have proved to be quite good for construction. And um, the, uh, you can have as many companion matrices as you like here. You can this pattern where you have just companion matrices down along the, the diagonal like that, and you have these little ones spaced out above the diagonal. So you get the effect is to create an upper a Hessenberg type matrix with all ones just on the line above the main diagonal, and you have a row of a row of non of non-negative numbers down along the bottom line. Uh, those kind of matrices turn out to uh, be very useful. And, and just this picture and the result I got the quote just uses three of these companion matrices. It seems true, but I don't know how to prove that every um, realizable spectrum could be realized by such a, such a pattern where you have some fit the number of these. You might have, a, have, you know, number of these has to depend on the spectrum, but there could be, you know, several of them needed and so on. Uh, but uh, one of the results that Lane and I proved about those is that there's a, there's a classic example which is used to um, look at and study this problem. If you look at this example, 3 plus t, 3 minus t, 3 minus 2s, and a string of zeros. Uh, if t was zero, this cannot be realized. This is a consequence of the Perron Frobenius theorem. The fact that you have the two threes here and the fact that there are three minus twos. The Perron Frobenius theorem will tell you if t was zero and you try to realize this, if there's a non negative matrix, to have to break up and to have to be reducible, to have to break up. And one part of the blocks would have one of the threes and two of the minus twos, or to have negative trace, and that's impossible. So, uh, so that this cannot be realized when t is zero. But it follows from the Boyle-Handelman theorem that if t was positive, uh, if you take any t greater than zero, by adding a sufficient number of zeros, then it becomes the spectrum of a non-negative matrix. If it had. So you add some large number of zeros here, and the number of zeros depends on the size of t. The smaller t is, the more zeros you require, and it follows from the previous thing I said that as t goes to zero, in would have to go to infinity, the number of zeros you require, because you cannot do it when t is zero. But we, we can um, realize this spectrum with, uh, when t is, this is an inequality in terms of number of zeros, and it can be realized by matrix just of the form I just had up there, that sort of block companion type. So that's a constructive realization of that type. And what's surprising about this to us anyway was the fact that the growth of the size in relation to T was, was actually quite, in, was quite small. Uh, we thought it would have to get big faster than it does. But that, that, and there's a corresponding result here. I'm looking at the time. There's a corresponding result here for, for um, when you have two positives and all the other eigenvalues are negative, two, two positive ones, P plus T and P minus, P plus H and P minus H, and the rest are negative. 
then um, there's a corresponding result. Again, you just have to use the block uh, pattern with three companion types, three companion matrices down the block diagonal and a row. By particular choice, you can, uh, you can get that theorem. Um, and again, it's given a bound for uh, how many zeros you have, at least a sufficient number of zeros to add. Uh, there's a bound for the number that's, that's needed here in terms of the, how close. You see, this thing here, you have P plus H and P minus H. Uh, the P plus H is the Perron, and the other guy is very close to it, P minus H. So the smaller, again, if you went to the case when H was zero, this couldn't be realized for, um, under certain circumstances, you couldn't realize this. So uh, see the, the trace, this has trace zero. So, um, so th this gives a bound for the number. Again, the point I want to make here is that in constructing, we've ended up constructing at using a companion-related, companion-type matrix, um, except that it's block companion. And um, now, just to, to say what the, the history or the current state about the, in IEP and the, the symmetric version, which I said Helena will talk about later, um, for in at least three, both were solved by Levy and London, uh, for unequal four and real spectrum, they were also solved by Levy and London. And for trace zero in equal to four, the problem was solved by Robert Reams. And uh, the, um, then for n bigger, for n equal to four and general spectra, the solution found by, sorry about the size of this thing. It's, uh, the, um, the solution found by me and Eleanor Meehan, my student, and I, we found a solution for n equal to four. And the key part was to show that if you have four numbers, that the realizing that, and you want to know when can it be realized, that the realizing matrix can be chosen, or you can, if you can realize it at all, you can do it with one that has, is not quite a companion matrix, but it's not that far away. It's a multiple day identity. And it has, well, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's of the type I've just been talking about, two blocks of size two uh, in it, together with a multiple of the identity. So again, it's, um, it, it shows that the pattern, that if you can realize it, you can realize it with a sort of, makes a really nice pattern. Uh, there's another solution, by the way, for the case where in is four, which was found by... Uh, this group of Spanish researchers here, and uh, their, their solution involves uh, different ideas to the one we have. And uh, in fact, the easiest way to prove it's easier to check that they both get, answer the same problem than to get an exact relationship between the two. Um, they, they concentrate very much on the, on the coefficients of the characteristic polynomial, whereas we concentrated on the power sums. And uh, they, so for n equal to five, uh, the problem is solved by, by me and, uh, and I, and just in the case of trace zero. So for trace zero, that's the, that's the, the result. And it, again, it turns out that the realizing matrix is of the type 
Uh, it's not far from being, uh, well, essentially it's out the block companion type of engine with two, with two um, Cs on the block diagonal. Um, the, what's surprising about this case is that it gives, in some sense it gave hope that one could do the problem uh, for bigger size ones because the conditions turn out to be relatively straightforward. In fact, it's much, much easier to do that case than the case in equal to four without trace zero. This, this case is, is a good bit easier because the trace zero turns out to be a great advantage in the, in the work. And uh, so, so that's, however, the case in equal to five with positive trace hasn't been solved yet. And uh, I don't know if it will ever, well, presumably it will be solved at some stage, but I don't think anybody knows techniques at the moment that would uh, completely decide that case. Um, so, so the next, um, another type of matrix that uh, turns out to be um, uh, it turns out to be useful in constructing examples is the doubly companion matrix, which doesn't seem to be very well known. Uh, the doubly companion matrix, it arose in the context of PDEs uh, and OD, solving PDEs and ODEs. Uh, and um, so what it's like is a, it's like the companion matrix, except in the companion matrix that I had it, you put numbers down the bottom line. You could have another version of the companion matrix where you put numbers down the front column. And in doubly companion matrix, you have both. So you have sort of like two companion matrices over one overlapping the other with one having the stuff down here and the other down there. So that's a doubly companion matrix. And the property that it has is that if you take the two polynomials, you get from the interpreting the, the companion matrix with this as its line of coefficients and the, and the sorry, the polynomial you get the characteristic polynomial of the companion matrix with this line of coefficients and the characteristic polynomial of the companion matrix with this line of coefficients. You multiply these two characteristic polynomials together and truncate them so you lop off the terms whose degree is less than n and divide by x to the power of n. Then you get a polynomial of degree n and that's the characteristic polynomial of this doubly companion matrix. So it's, uh, it turns out that this class, uh, uh, this class turns out to um, be, it turns out to be quite a useful, a useful idea. And if you add a scalar to it, uh, so you take a thing of this type plus a scalar, it turns out that a lot of uh, spectra can be realised in this way, uh, including the four by four case. So, the, uh, so Anthony Cronin and I have been looking at. Um, spectrum of, of that type, AI plus Q. And again, we see that a large class of spectrum can be realized by these kind of matrices for appropriate choice of the polynomials. Um, if you start with a circulant, one of the pieces of work where you don't have companion matrices is Rojo and Soto in 1991 and also a lot of more recent work. But they have obtained detailed information on realizability by non-negative circulants. And in their case, there's a quite a large class of spectra, a very large class of spectra, in fact, realizable, more than 
I would have expected, actually, that the, it turned out to be a good pattern to look at. And uh, then another type that turned up in work I did recently on Bile Handelman, I mentioned. So if sigma cells size to be H condition, all their power sums positive, then with a sufficient number of zeros, you can get the spectrum of a negative matrix of this pattern. Um, so that's... Um, so in this pattern, you have the numbers 1, 2, it's an n, this is supposed to be n by n, you have 1, 2, 3, down to n, minus 1 above the diagonal, you have x's down the diagonal, x1's down the diagonal, x2's on the next diagonal below x3's, down to xn. So that kind of pattern matrix, which uh, some may remind you of the formulas of matrices that arise, usually the determinant of that matrix comes in uh, in terms... In, relating in putting the Newton identities into a matrix form. And, uh, for example, in Lederman's book on group characters, you'll, you'll see a matrix of, of this type. And uh, it might be called Bryashki's matrix in, in, some, in some versions. Um, any, so any questions? What is the name? is... Um, that's one name that I think Lederman has in his book. But he doesn't quite associate with this matrix. He associates it with the general discussion. So he doesn't say specifically this is called Bryaski's matrix. But Bryaski seems to may have been the first person who wrote the Newton formulas in matrix form as a determinant. Uh, I'm not sure, but that's the name that he, he has. I think the name actually turns up, I think, a bit more in group representation theory. I think Bryaski did did some more work as well on group representation theory of the symmetric group and things like that. Uh, but I'm not, my pronunciation of the Italian might be wrong, uh, but that's the nearest I can do to it. Um, so that, uh, now this particular pattern, uh, which is, this is a very nice pattern to work with because you just have n variables, again like in the companion matrix, you just have n parameters and so if you're trying to decide whether or not a particular spectrum can be realized this way, you have, you have just any equations to solve. X1, the trace automatically determines X1. If you look at the trace of the square, the, S, the S2 determines the value of S2 once you have S1 already. Once you have X1 determined, X2 is determined by just having S2. S, X3 is determined by S3 and so on. So it's very easy to check if this will work. But... Um, it turns out that it does. And the, but one observation that's important for this is that the characteristic polynomial of that guy is... Uh, the characteristic polynomial is xdn plus nq1 xdn minus 1, where these xks are the roots of this polynomial. So to go from... So you have, in this matrix, you have these sk, xk, x, x's down the diagonal and x's on all these lines. If you interpret those as power sums, uh, then the characteristic polynomial of the whole matrix is given by this formula, where this polynomial has the x's as the power sums. Notice that to go from this one to this one, you have multiplied the coefficients by n, n times n minus 1 and so on, up to n factorial. And this gives a criterion for realizability uh, by matrices of this type, 
So if you're given a list of complex numbers with uh, this formula here, uh, x minus lambda 1 to x minus lambda n is x dn plus p1, etc. If this relies by a matrix of that form, if the j power sums of the roots of this guy are non-negative, and that pro provides, um, that provides um, a quite usable criterion for testing. It seems that um, it, this, I haven't found any spectrum where this fails to, if you have the Perron root strictly bigger in, than the activating other root. I haven't found no spectrums where this procedure won't work, even though the, the proof that you can do it for the, the, the this procedure appears to work uh, but I have proved a result about by hand which requires the power sums to be positive. And, uh, but in, as an algorithm, just given a spectrum, this seems to, to work quite well. And uh, so I haven't found any example where it fails so far. Um, the, now, another concept, I'm looking at the time. So, uh, OK, I was, and another concept it turned out I heard about a few years ago and turns out to be useful useful idea and for constructive methods is due to Rajesh Pereira. Uh, in, he proved that, there, that every matrix has what he calls a trace vector. And a trace vector, you have a real or complex matrix, and there's some vector v which satisfies that formula. v star PAV is the trace of PA divided by n for all polynomials Px. He calls that a trace vector, and uh, his proof of it's, it's an existence proof, using the methods of analysis to prove it exists. Um, but uh, if, if the matrix is real, uh, you can choose V to be a real vector. And um, so such a vector is called a trace vector. And uh, I, I couldn't find any reference to an earlier this result appearing earlier, although uh, it may have done because I had a conversation with Cairo in Portugal and he seemed to think this concept goes earlier, but we weren't able to track down a reference to that. Anyway, I heard Pereira talked about this and he's used it in a number of ways, not, not in the in IEP, but if you perform a unit of similarity, then this V, if you do U star AV, V would be replaced by U star V. And, um, so you, if you choose u, you can make u star v the vector with uh, all zeros with the one in the bottom corner. And if you do that, then the characteristic polynomial of the leading n minus 1 by n minus 1 principal submatrix of, uh, you can get a new matrix B, the transform matrix, and the um, principal n minus 1 by n minus 1 submatrix of that has characteristic polynomial. Essentially, the, the, the derivative of the determinant of the, uh, of the well, the derivative of the characteristic polynomial of B divided by N. So the, the, this seems to be a very useful idea for lots of problems relating the derivatives of complex polynomials to the derivatives, sorry, the roots of complex polynomials, the roots of their derivatives. There are a number of open questions about that. And... Um, uh, but in this case, you can use it as a method for constructing non-negative matrices. You can try, first of all, find a construction of the derivative 
polynomial and find realization of that and then try and augment it to a full size, put it B11 and try and surround it by non-negative stuff so that you get the full matrix to have your desired um, characteristic polynomial. And that actually turns out to work. Well, again, with Anthony Cronin, we've been working on that stuff. And uh, it turns out to be quite a useful, a useful idea. There's also a recent paper of Manoff, which asks about um, whether the, uh, the power sums, if you have, um, say, a realizable matrix, and you look at the derivative of the characteristic polynomial, you look at its power sums, do, must they be non-negative? And uh, we don't know, but we found that if you, you replaced power sums by uh, just, um, if you replace realizable by just having positive power sums, then it certainly fails. And uh, we have an example of that as low as uh, degree, degree four, actually, will, to, such a thing will fail. Um, now, the last thing, which was the, the title of the, that I gave originally, because I tend to give a more specialized talk, but I thought I'll, I'll mention uh, the Kim. Uh, so, suppose we have a complex conjugate closed list of complex numbers. If you look at f, f of t is the product like, written this particular way, 1 minus lambda i t, lambda j t, like that. Then if you do the formal expansion of the logarithmic derivative, you'll get minus into s1 plus s2 t, etc., where sj is the power sums here again. And if you have a kth root, uh, say the f take the formal kth root, uh, starting with one uh, of, um, of uh, this polynomial f of t, it will satisfy that same logarithmic derivative property with the one over k there. So, um, so uh, the, what we were looking for was, we're looking for polynomials uh, we're looking for kth roots with negative g's. So that's what the emphasis of negative g's. And in a very impressive paper, uh, which depends on, it's a really beautiful paper, but extremely difficult to, to read, uh, for me anyway, of Kim, Orms, and Rausch, which is really hard complex analysis, really classical hard complex analysis. They, they proved an analog of a conjecture of Boyden-Handelman, which was the integer analog of the the theorem I quoted earlier of theirs, they, had for, they, had, they have an integer analog of that where you have, you're looking for non-negative integer matrices with a given spectrum, with, and in this case, not a given non-zero spectrum. And if you go through their proof, you, one of the things they, have, they search for and prove the existence of is given, the, given f of t, like I'll start with here, um, given that thing, uh, like that, and suppose these lambdas all have uh, power sums and various integrality properties. They show that you can find certain polynomials and power series with negative coefficients, starting off one minus minus, which they, use, they can they prove realizability using these in a fairly technical way, which I decided was a little bit too complicated to write down in detail here, but, but the, the thing was to search for those. They proved the existence of them, and a lot of the complex analysis is to prove the existence of these uh, particular uh, polynomials with negative co with starting off one and otherwise having negative coefficients, and also a power series 
with negative coefficients, starting, again starting with one, and all the other coefficients negative. So, so the question was, could one find some sort of constructive way of finding such, such polynomials to use? So playing with maple, uh, first of all, I looked up information about uh, whether you could, about Taylor series with, with negative coefficients, leading term one and otherwise negative coefficients. And there are papers by Lamperty in particular and others, Lamperty particularly from the probabilistic <coughs> point of view, about such polynomials. But what, um, what I discovered was that if you took the characteristic polynomial of a realizable matrix, um, it turns out you could always find a K. In, in examples, you could always find a K for which the kth root had this property that the kth root start out one and all the other coefficients were negative. So, uh, so I started to think about this. Why was this true in all the examples? So I thought I'd try and prove it. And uh, so I thought we'd start with positive numbers, positive real numbers, and prove this result about Taylor series of formal expansions that if you have a bunch of positive numbers, a1, a2 down to an, and you want to form this polynomial, you take the one over nth root of it and subtract off the one that all the coefficients are negative. So it turns out that that result is true. And I'll just very quickly mention my particular proof of this. At the moment, there are three proofs of this result. There was one I had originally. Then um, I wrote to Finber Holland about it, and I wrote to Rafi, and Rafi uh, Told uh, Aharanov, uh, Aharanov, sorry. And uh, uh, so we now have three proofs. <laughs> there's Fenber Holland's one, there's my one, and there's Aharanov's one. And they're, they're a bit different. The, the proof of Aharanov and Fenber's are fairly closely related, maybe because both are complex elements, <laughs> and uh, mine is a bit different from them. But anyway, the, the proof. Uh, just for n equal to 3, I'll explain at the end, I'll just explain my proof. And uh, so the trick, there's one basic trick, was to write the A's in ascending order, so increasing size. So say, think, suppose A1 is smaller than A2 is smaller than A3 and so on. In the case of 3, we can suppose they're A, A plus B and A plus B plus C. And then it's just a matter of examining you can write f of t then in this funny way. You have 1 minus at cubed. You have 1 minus bt over 1 minus at all squared. And then you have the third bit to the power of 1, this fairly messy bit here at the end, which well, okay, set that up so you can see it better. And the, um, so we write the, the polynomial in that way. And uh, then, when, first of all, examines we try, try and prove the whole thing, all the coefficients, except for the leading one, all the coefficients are negative. So we, we expand this in a controlled fashion by first expanding the last guy and examining the terms and seeing that there's good terms and bad terms. The worst term will actually be the first term after the, the, the term that has one third of this thing in it. And you show that. Um, all this stuff multiplied by that term will, will be positive. And then you gradually bring in more terms. And 
so on. So it's just to develop it gradually, and since the, the time is up, our time is more or less up, I will just say that just bash, the big trick was to write it that way. Once you write it that way, it becomes, it becomes straightforward. So we were trying to, with Finbar, we were trying to make a math Olympiad problem out of this, um, but we didn't get that far. Um, so Finbar actually, Finbar Holland has generalized this to measures and, um, and uh, it has also to geometric and harmonic means and so on. So that's, so at, at the moment, uh, we, uh, we can prove this property holds for a lot of uh, realizable spectra. By the way, the, the 1 over n doesn't work as the size. It works in this particular example, but you have to go to much larger ones for particular spectra. Anyway, I think I'll, I'll finish with that, so thank you. Now, what's, what's the role of the companion matrix in this? It seems to be the companion matrix seems to play a very well, significant part in the, in the history of the problem. Why? Because it's so easy to write down. You only need the characteristic polynomials coefficients. So it's yeah. it's very to write down. What is surprising is that if most that it can be used effectively to realize so many spectra, if you just varied a bit by block tri companion or doubly companion or adds multiples of their identity to it, that you cover a very large class of realizable spectra. Well, that's because one doesn't know how to make other ones. <laughs> I don't know. But, but of the ones, there are very few constructive methods known. And the companion matrix is uh, the, most, the easiest to. There was a related problem in engineering, which is very close to this, in, very popular in probably the late 60s, early 70s. And what people found was that the Schwartz forms was much more convenient than the companion matrix. Yeah. But I don't think that there's, that hasn't happened with, yeah. with this problem at all, actually. And uh, in fact, I think, um, in some sense, the first paper was yours, actually, where companion matrices were, were, were um, brought in. But they're, they're so much easier to use than any other method. And it's easier to modify them than to try and start with a new pattern. The problem is relating the coefficients to the characteristic polynomial is extremely difficult for other patterns. Even, for example, uh, Fiedler has a, has a version of a companion matrix where he puts sort of pinned diagonally, things like that. But again, you won't get any more with that than originally you'd have got with the companion matrix to begin with because the numbers that turn up are actually uh, positive or negative depending on the coefficients again. And it, so you don't get, there are lots of variations that don't actually lead to new types. So could you sort of uh, prove the full boil hand result with your methods or you are still missing? Uh, for positive trace. Uh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I yeah the, the full boil hand happened actually since I talked to you last about it. I haven't, I haven't tried to do it. In practice, it works all the time because you can, it's just the method of getting the bound requires to be able, because in the complex analysis, you need to be able to isolate the, you want to isolate the Perron away from the other guys, and you want to isolate the S's away from zero. And uh, so, so the, the technique of my proof uh, requires the S's to be positive. But no, I have to know. In fact, Boyle, Boyle had the same question about, he was wondering if one could, could modify the thing. 
And uh, I, I haven't looked at it since I talked to you last time. Yeah. 